Hello and good evening to all my readers and listeners. This is Karen Hunt, aka K.H. Majek, and I do have a new uh, essay for you today, a rather dark one after my last Bizarro World, which was kind of fun, but still in a dark sort of a way. But before I get into it, I would just like to remind all my readers and listeners that Break Free with Karen Hunt is a reader-supported publication And I would so greatly appreciate you becoming either a free or especially a paid subscriber, which helps me to be able to continue doing this work that I do. So this is called The Weaponization of Drugs and Disease, Anti-Immunity Vaccines, Drugs in Space, Disease X, and Sadiksha Turamalesh, the brave teenager who fought for the right to live. Before we get into the latest drugs and disease horrors that the totalitarian world regime has in store for us, I want to shout out the name Sadeksha, and I want would like for you to do the same. Sadeksha Termalesh, 19 years old, suffered from a rare mitochondrial disorder. She died of a heart attack last week after fighting the NHS for the right to go to the United States for experimental treatment, a right that was denied to her. Instead, the court determined that she should be moved to end-of-life palliative care. Despite two court-appointed psychiatrists stating that Sadeksha had the capacity to make her own decisions, the courts ruled in favor of the doctors who argued that her refusal to accept their view of hopelessness was a sign of her delusion. During the legal battle, a gag order was placed on her family. She was simply referred to as ST. Now that she is dead, her name can finally be said and her story known. Below is her fa- her brother's impassioned speech. And after her death, uh, her family stood before the media and the brother gave this wonderful talk. And you can listen to it all there. I have, I have the uh, video of it. Here's part of it. We did not look for this fight. This fight came to us from a system that gives up too readily on life. We were brutally silenced, intimidated, and taken to court in the hour of our need. It is shocking that a family in the middle of stress and tragedy had a threat of imprisonment hanging over their heads. To those who seemed only to care about Sadiksha dying, we forgive you. We are a Christian family who believe in life love and forgiveness. Incredible that he was able to say that after all the tragedy that the state did to his family. Stories like this remind us that we as ordinary citizens are only as good as the state as good to the state as what they can get out of us. Not much different from rats in a lab to be drugged and experimented on. When we reach the end of our usefulness to the state, we are left to die. Never forget the horrors of COVID when millions of elderly died in isolation and were not even allowed a decent burial. While ordinary people suffered, the elites partied. Memories of California Governor Gavin Newsom dining at three Michelin star restaurant French Laundry while the plebes were in lockdown comes to mind. A restaurant that received over 2.4 million in PPP COVID loans. There's something seriously wrong with all of this, and yet the madness is just keeps on getting worse. And I have a picture there of Gavin Newsom during COVID at that infamous restaurant. And I have a picture of ordinary Californians, a picture of an elderly person with their hands to the window, of course, in a mask, all by themselves in the room in a mask. And outside in the fresh air are two grandchildren putting their hands up 
to the window as well, them also wearing masks. Yet Newsom is still governor, and there's talk of him running for president. The filthy rich didn't seem to be very scared of COVID. I wonder how many of them really did take the vaccine. I would bet my last dollar that Bill Gates didn't, and I'm absolutely sure he didn't subject his children to it. These cures are meant for the rest of us, and these cures are becoming more and more sinister. If you need proof of this, look no further than inverse vaccines. This is a new and exciting way to combat disease by taking away your natural immunity instead of beefing it up. An MIT article explains what these vaccines are. We tend to think of our immune system as a beefy bodyguard fighting off pathogens that seek to harm us, but it is, but it has another equally important job. Mostly our immune system ignores stuff that is being exposed to it all the time, says Megan Levins at the BC Children's Hospital Research Institute in Vancouver. That includes all the food we eat, all the bacteria that lives in our bodies, all the funguses and mold in the environment. The capacity to ignore, known as immune tolerance, isn't passive. The immune system learns which things are dangerous and which are not, and stores that memory in specialized cells. When the system makes a mistake and flags a harmless protein as dangerous, the mix-up can cause serious problems, allergies, autoimmune diseases, and other types of immune disorders. With traditional vaccines, the goal is to deliver a foreign substance in a way that raises alarms. That's why vaccines are often combined with ingredients called adjuvants, which provoke a stronger immune response. mRNA vaccines don't need adjuvants because the immune system already sees genetic material as a threat. With inverse vaccines, also called tolerogenic vaccines, because they provoke tolerance, the goal is to train the immune system to recognize that a particular target is harmless. What could possibly go wrong with trying to train a body to recognize a particular target as harmless? What if it gets confused and picks the wrong target? Or what if your body stops being able to pick targets on its own altogether? What if it forgets? how to bring out an immune response because it's been conditioned by by, uh, vaccines and not by the natural process. The inverse of immunity. Let's learn about that. The approach is not without its flaws. Any student taking Immunology 101 will tell you that wiping out a large part of the immune system will lead to opportunistic infections, says Lawrence Steinman of Stanford University School of Medicine in California. Steinman is one of a small number of immunologists working to tackle autoimmunity in a more targeted fashion through vaccines. However, these vaccines are not prophylactic shots against disease. Rather, they act as therapeutic treatments. And unlike most conventional vaccines, which typically stimulate the immune system to react against foreign pathogens, Steinman and his colleagues hope to reduce the response of an overactive immune system to the body's own triggers while leaving the rest of the system intact. If we can throw the on switch, shouldn't we be able to throw the off switch? asked Steinman. The thought of mistakes happening keeps Steinman up at night, but not enough to make him stop, not when the payoff could be so big. It's a field where a lot of people want to make the breakthrough and become the next chapter in the glorious history of vaccination, Steinman says. 
Now Steinman serves as chairman of a company called Pasithia Therapeutics, and he's working on a new inverse DNA vaccine for multiple sclerosis. mRNA vaccines, inverse immunity vaccines, and now DNA vaccines? The World Health Organization describes DNA vaccines like this. The field of DNA vaccination is developing rapidly. Vaccines currently being developed use not only DNA, but also include adjuncts that assist DNA to enter cells, target it towards specific cells, or that may act as adjuvants in stimulating or directing the immune response. Ultimately, the distinction between a sophisticated DNA vaccine and a simple viral vector may not be clear. Many aspects of the immune response generated by DNA vaccines are not understood. However, this has not impeded significant progress towards the use of this type of vaccine in humans and clinical trials have begun. That's the end of the quote. In case you thought that was me responding to the quote, no, that's actually the who admitting that they don't know what they're doing. How many times do we have to hear this kind of crap before we stop taking their poisons? May not be clear or not understood, but hey, it shows promise in mice or monkeys or pigs. Could there ever be a more ludicrous statement than, refer- than referring to this plethora of vaccines as the next chapter in the glorious history of vaccines? There is nothing glorious about it. Not when millions of parents dutifully subjected their children to experimental mRNA vaccines. The New England Journal of Medicine published a disturbing paper which looked at 887,193 children aged 5 to 11 in North Carolina, 30.8% of them of whom received at least one dose of Pfizer's mRNA shot between November 1, 2021 and June 3, 2022. And I quote from that article. Scientists determined that the shots fail rather quickly post-injection and eventually eat away at immunity in a manner similar to AIDS. Hence why many now refer to post-injection immune degradation as vaccine-induced AIDS or VADES. The shots not only failed to provide protection for the children after just a few short months, but they also left the children in worse immune shape overall. Are we living in a nightmare from which we cannot wake up? Apparently so. They just keep on producing these drugs with no sign of stopping. And what do you think they will do with them all? They aren't just going to throw them away. What will they do with all these drug factories that I wrote about in Building the mRNA Empire? Remember that more than 5.5 billion people worldwide have received a dose of a COVID-19 vaccine, equal to about 72.3% of the world population. Incredible what they did over the course of just a little more than a year. More than 2.72 billion additional doses have been administered worldwide since then. There seems to be no thought about long-term consequences, about anything anymore. The experts have developed a disturbingly myopic view where they focus on a growing mountain of diseases and think they can cure each one with a drug, all with hefty price tags, which the already overburdened 
taxpayer is supposed to finance. Nobody got the COVID shot for free. The government paid the drug companies billions of taxpayers' money so they could turn around and inject everyone they could get their hands on, subjecting them to humiliating, faulty PCR tests, not to prove anyone was sick or not, but to condition people to submissively give up their data when ordered to. These scientists and doctors, or the experts and their overlords, are incapable of understanding that we are part of a complex and delicately balanced universe. I suspect this is because they reject the concept of consequences. They are far too important for that. There is no higher power to whom they are answerable. There is no such thing as divine omniscience. God is dead. There are now a bunch of little gods running around maniacally tinkering with the natural order of the universe, thinking they are so rich that they can. When a new disaster arises, thanks to their tinkering, instead of pausing to think that maybe they are on the wrong track, they rub their hands together in glee at the thought of coming up with yet another solution, which then causes another problem, and so on down the line. Do they really think they can target one part of an overactive immune system while leaving the rest of the system intact? How much worse can all of this get? How much more damage are they capable of doing before we all cough our last breath in their quest to keep us barely alive so they can continue their Frankensteinian experiments on us for their twisted pleasure? These experts are evil, but much less so than the higher powers they answer to, those who reap billions of dollars from our illnesses and subsequent cures and who hope to unlock the secrets of life in the process and live forever as real gods, not just the many play gods that they are now. I wrote about this topic in my essay, To Live Forever. Time magazine has now come out with an article about Brian Johnson, the man who thinks he can live forever. Johnson is so full of himself, he calls his personal quest for immortality the most significant revolution in the history of Homo sapiens. Imagine. That quest includes downing 111 pills every day, wearing a baseball cap that shoots red light into his scalp, collecting his own stool samples, and sleeping with a tiny jetpack attached to his penis to monitor his nighttime erections. Johnson thinks of any act that accelerates aging, like eating a cookie or getting less than eight hours of sleep, as an act of violence. <laughs> drugs are now the answer for everything. There can never be enough drugs, so much so that SpaceX is now launching satellites to research and develop drugs in space. Forget space tourism. Varda Space wants to make drug manufacturing the next big extraterrestrial business. Why? because there are big bucks in drugs. Profit is the number one driver of any venture. If the space economy is to become a $1 trillion sector by 2040, as one Citigroup report suggests, tried and true drug production will be a big part of it. California-based startup Varda Space Industries is betting that big business will lie in relatively unassuming satellites that will spend days or months in Earth's orbit quietly carrying out pharmaceutical development. Its research, company officials hope, could lead to better, more effective drugs and hefty profits. Eventually, the firm hopes that research will yield a golden ticket drug one that proves to be better when manufactured in space and can return royalties to Varda for years to come. It's all about money. Just imagine all the dangerous experiments that could be performed perfectly safely because it would be in space. Drug factories in space. 
In space, microgravity lets materials grow without encountering walls, and it allows them to mix evenly and hold together without traditional supports. And they can grow bigger and faster. That's the American way, right? Bigger and faster? But wait a minute. We already have enough problems with dangerous pathogens being released from labs here on Earth. What makes us think the same thing or worse won't happen in space? In fact, TechCrunch reported that that on September 15th, the U.S. Air Force denied a recent request from Varda Space Industries to land its capsule at a Utah training area due to safety concerns. Varda originally planned to bring back a capsule containing crystals of ritonavir, a drug used to treat HIV, in mid-July. The company declined to comment, but posted on X that the spacecraft is healthy across all systems and that they are continuing to collaborate with regulators to bring the capsule back to Earth. What a relief to know that the spacecraft is healthy. How desperately we need it. To be, we need it to fight all the terrible diseases we already have and the new ones they are discovering, seemingly on a daily basis. Just to stay safe, in case they have missed one, the WHO has a list of diseases that includes Disease X. Experts warn about Disease X. The World Health Organization keeps a short list of priority diseases that could cause the next deadly pandemic. Most of the diseases are already known to us, such as Ebola, SARS, and Zika, made the cut, but the final entry has a terrifying name, Disease X. The term Disease X is used by the WHO as a placeholder to describe a disease that's unknown to medical science as a cause of human infections, and as a new disease agent, whether it's a virus, a bacterium, a fungus, or other agent, there likely won't be any vaccines or few, if any, treatments available. This isn't the stuff of science fiction, Dr. Richard Hatchett of the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations told The Telegraph. This is a scenario we have to prepare for. This is disease X. You see how this works? They have a placeholder for a disease, and they can make it anything they want. Have they found a cure for AIDS? Have they found a cure for COVID? Have they found a cure for diabetes? Have they found a cure for cancer? Have they found a cure for heart disease? No. Why do these companies keep manufacturing drugs that don't do much of anything? The complex answer is transhumanism. The simple answer is greed. The cost of cancer drugs, for example, now represents between 50% and 60% of the total cancer spent and continues to climb. Prices for new drugs approved for the treatment of cancer more than doubled between 2009 and 2019 from an average monthly cost of $6,000 to nearly $15,000 per month. Andrew Hurtler, MD, Chief Medical Officer at New Century Health, a specialty care management company, notes that most of these new high-priced therapies do not cure cancer and on average have a limited effect on survival. According to Hurtler, 71 consecutive FDA approvals of drugs to treat solid tumors increased survival an average of just 2.1 months, and 70% of the drugs approved over the past two decades had no effect on improving overall survival. What we're trying to do with the mRNA vaccine for cancer is to alert the immune system to the tumor so the immune system will attack it. It's basically biological software, 
explains John Cook, a physician and medical director of the Center for RNA Therapeutics at Houston Methodist. No, Cook, <laughs> what you're actually doing is destroying our body's natural immune system one vaccine at a time, and we are paying for the pleasure. 85% of basic cancer research is funded through taxpayers' money, according to the American Association for Cancer Research. Yet on top of that, we are expected to bleed more money the sicker we get from all the toxins in drugs, food, the clothes we wear, the air we breathe. It's all out of hand, completely out of hand. But don't worry, Mark Zuckerberg and Phil Priscilla Chan, his wife, announced they're building a computing system to help eliminate human disease by 2100. Eliminate disease? Wow. And I guess we are supposed to believe them. They aim to develop a computing system that researchers can use <clears throat> with AI to catalog cells and predict how they act when diseased. The data could be used to make new discoveries that completely cure human disease, Chan and Zuckerberg said in a statement. No, no, says Chan. They, he want, she wants you to be sure you understand that it won't actually eliminate disease. It will just make it less severe. Sort of like the COVID shots, right? How convenient. The bill for this system will be astronomical. What a surprise. Just like with all their newfangled clean energy lies, the energy used by such a system will be enormously polluting. This means that you must sacrifice your lifestyle so that theirs does not change. You will need to live an ever more oppressed existence so that the elites can build their machines and gather the data and cause further destruction of humanity along the way. The amount of data needed for their machines will need to be extracted from someone and that someone will be ordinary citizens. In order to achieve their mad goals, everyone will need to be herded into 15-minute cities and monitored 24-7, perhaps even hooked up to Neuralink or something similar inside their brains. Why do you think Brian Johnson is all over the news now? To condition people to think that having everything from their poop to their sexual habits monitored should be perfectly normal and all for the good of their health and safety. <clears throat> like Sadiksha, no one will have the right to decide if they will live or die. No one will have the right to decide what medicine they will take. No one will have the right to refuse medication if the state determines it is for your good. Drugs and disease go hand in hand, feeding off of each other and growing stronger while our immune systems grow weaker. And these little gods running around like chickens with their heads cut off want us to buy into the lie that they have the answers, even as they admit that they really don't understand how any of their supposed cures work, nor can they promise that they even are cures. It would be funny if it weren't so dangerously true. So, once again, let's all say the name Sadeksha, and who fought for the right to live and had that right taken away. She speaks for us all. This is what the state wants to do, to take away all of our rights over our own lives, over our own health, over our own right to make our own decisions. Let's remember that any one of us could be Sadeksha. Thank you so much for listening, for reading. 
please share, please comment. It's really important that you share, that you also like uh, the essays so that they, again, are uh, go up and, and, and become more prominent on Substack and more people are led to read them. Have a great night, everyone. God bless.